What's up, everybody? This is Justin Flinter coming to you live from Northern Virginia with the Justin Flinter Podcast by My Mentor Medicine. This is part three of the five treasures of acupuncture. We've talked about chi, we've talked about blood, and now we get to talk about jin ye, body fluids. So you might be thinking, well, isn't blood something that relates to body fluids? Yes. And before blood can be formed, we have to have some kind of fluid in order for it to be created. And that's what we're going to speak a little bit on today. There are two types of fluids in the body. You heard me say jin ye. So jin refers to a thinner type of fluid in the body and ye refers to a thicker type of fluid in the body. Now, why would we have two different consistencies of fluid in our body? Well, number one, maybe it's just because of how they are and their purpose. Some provide a little bit of lubricant for larger areas. Some provide lubricant for uh, more uh, exposed areas, if you will, like your eyes or your mouth. So these fluids in oriental medicine, we believe that these thicker fluids of the body, although the thin ones do have some of the same kind of uh, purpose, if you will, the thicker fluids are a bit more organic. They have more life in them than the other ones do. And you'll begin to understand this a little bit more as I talk about the fluids and where they exist in the body. So these fluids come from the organ systems that are responsible for not only generating everything that is needed within our body, but also the ones that help to transport it throughout the body. So if you remember our discussion last week, we talked a little bit about one called the spleen. This week, the main one that we're going to focus on, which is considered to be the origin of the fluids, is your stomach. Makes sense, right? If you ingest some food, you have a nice delicious dinner or lunch. You have a nice delicious meal and you have some good drinks to go along with it, the stomach will break those down into usable substances because you can't really use that steak until it's broken down into pieces within your body. So the stomach will break down these fluids, these foods that you put inside of it, and then make them into a usable form so that the sister organ of the stomach, which it is paired with, the spleen, can then move it to the proper areas of the body. So the fluids are initiated by the workings of the stomach. That's why we call it the origin of the fluids. If your stomach is unhealthy, other areas of the body will not thrive. So what is the purpose of the fluids? Well, first off, we have to think about, again, I mentioned there are two types of fluids in the body and they need to be separated. So they need to go through this process that you might equate to filtration. Just like water filtration, we have to take out the good parts and send them to the right places. We have to take out the bad parts and send them to the right places as well. The pure fluids of the body are meant to travel upwards. And why would that be needed? Well, obviously we need our eyes to be lubricated. We need our mouth to have saliva. We need our lungs to have a bit of moisture in them as well. Not too much, but we need to have them a little bit moisturized because you know what it feels like if you have a dry throat 
or if it becomes a little bit hard to breathe in an area where the air is extremely dry or even vice versa where there's a lot of humidity it becomes difficult to breathe so there is a certain level of moisture that we need inside of our bodies which is dependent upon not just what we put in our bodies but what exists outside our bodies in the environment so the pure fluids go up the impure fluids therefore go down and that also makes sense right you got to pee comes out go to the bathroom you have a bowel movement it's got to come out somewhere so those things move down it's a process of filtration or even if you want to think of it as purification in some sense or excretion In order for these fluids to move in the correct direction, if you remember our first discussion, part one of this series, we talked about qi and one of its responsibilities, or at least one of its actions, is to move in the proper directions. So moving things, such as moving your blood in the right directions, moving the fluids of your body in the right directions. Some of it is needed up, some of it is needed down, some of it is needed on the exterior of your body, some of it is needed on the interior of your body. So the three-dimensional movement comes from the energy or chi that is existing inside of your body right now in this very moment, and it helps to move the fluids to the right locations. If we look a little bit deeper into the process of fluid metabolism, again, we take in some food. We have a nice delicious steak. Keep using steak. Maybe I'm hungry for steak. I don't know. <laughs> Regardless, you eat something that's delicious. It goes to your stomach, goes to your spleen, it breaks it down, then it sends it out to the rest of the body. The next part is, remember, there are some pure elements of this food and drink, and there are some impure elements. And these pure elements go where? Up, exactly. They go upward. And then the lung in oriental medicine is not just the two organs that reside in your chest. It also connects to the skin of your body. So if you have dry skin, if you have eczema, if you just have general itchiness, there is something going on in the lung organ system that might be related to the quality or quantity of fluids that it helps to circulate. That's why the lung is considered to be the upper source of water because it helps to disseminate the fluids throughout the upper parts of your body and out to the extremities. And if it is responsible for, for the skin, that means that it sends it to all areas of the skin across the body. The impure fluids then go downward. And where do they go? Well, along the process of digestion, we can look at the small intestine. So in the small intestine, we have another uh, process of separation, if you will, of pure and impure. It breaks things down so that it, in Western medicine, we absorb the nutrients that come from the food and then they can be placed into the bloodstream, etc., and then scattered throughout the body. So there are important elements of the small intestine that we need to have happening. In oriental medicine, we separate again these pure fluids that can be sent to the bladder. That doesn't really make sense because they're 
is no physical connection, right? Well, in Oriental medicine, it is believed that these two do work together. And the impure fluids of the small intestine, this one kind of makes sense, they get sent on to the large intestine. And what happens in the large intestine? Well, of course, we need fluids within that part of the body, otherwise we feel a little backed up. Constipation, the thing that nobody wants. So the large intestine helps to bring back in some of the water that is needed, and then of course it excretes all the things that we don't need. Another organ that is helpful in terms of the distribution of fluids throughout the body is, again, the one that we talked about last week, the spleen. So this spleen organ system, if you remember our discussion, we talked about two functions. It transforms things, anything that the stomach brings in and breaks down. It transforms it and turns it into a usable substance, or it takes out the part that is no longer usable and it sends it in the proper direction. That's the transportation aspect. So it moves these fluids exactly where they need to go. So acupuncturists out there, or healthcare practitioners, if you know that the fluids are existing inside of a patient, but they're not exactly moving where they need to go, for example, we might have edema, stagnation of fluids in a certain region of the body. Now there are other organ systems that are involved, but Definitely, definitely, definitely. The spleen is, in oriental medicine, one of the organs that we will look to directly to, to try to suss out why it is not transporting the fluids where they need to go. Another very important organ system in relation to body fluids is the kidneys. The kidneys, yes. This is one of the organ systems we spoke of in the first series, and in this part in relation to body fluids, the kidneys are considered to be the lower source of water. The lungs are the upper, the kidneys are the lower. Now we have a strange concept in oriental medicine for those of you who are not familiar with it. We believe and understand that the kidneys are responsible for inhalation. What? That's right, inhalation. The lungs are responsible for exhalation. Now, without going into too much detail about that, the kidneys, whenever you take a deep breath, and you take a deep breath only in your chest, your lungs don't descend very well. And if you were to take a deep breath into your belly, that means that your belly would go out and your lungs would descend, the diaphragm without allow, would then allow that to actually happen, and then it can reach deeper into your lower part of your torso, into your stomach, into your abdomen. And, you know, physically the placement of the kidneys, there is a bit of a connection in terms of how low the lungs go, and it might make contact with some of the organs uh, and just by the pressure that it puts on them. And in the sense of oriental medicine, there is a reaching upwards of this organ system. And if you are familiar with the location of the channels and how they are uh, um, formed on the body, these pathways, these acupuncture channels, you will see that the kidneys actually have a channel that comes up the inside of the leg and then comes up the front of the body, the abdomen, and comes all the way up to the top of the chest, right on top of the lungs. So in oriental medicine, the physiology that we look at, and the anatomy also, 
The kidneys are considered to be the lower source of water, and that means that it helps to send some of the fluids back up to the lungs. So the transformation of fluids, the transportation of fluids, again, I'm trying to stem back into some of the previous parts that we've discussed, specifically the first part on qi, where the energy that is needed for things to move is ultimately being sourced from what is coming out of what we think is your kidneys. So acupuncturists may perform treatments in the lower back region that may tap into this organ system. They may do points along the abdomen, for example. They may also do points along the inner parts of the legs and even down to the feet to help ensure that, number one, fluids are moving in the right direction so that we don't have edema, which typically occurs in the area where this particular channel flows or, or passes across. So the movement of fluids is needed, and that occurs partly because of what happens with what I said earlier, the spleen, but we also have this other organ system, the kidneys. So I'm probably confusing you a little bit with all of the organ systems going back and forth between lungs and kidneys and spleen, et cetera, and you're trying to make connections between what you know on the western side and what you may beginning be beginning to understand on the eastern side, and that's okay. So allow yourself to be in the confusion for right now, but if you're not confused, fantastic, good. Stay right along with me. The last one I want to mention to you is not really an organ system. The reason being is that in oriental medicine they consider there to be three different levels of the body, three different sections. Your body can be divided into three different parts, basically an upper, a middle, and a lower. We consider them to be uh, burners or the gel or uh, regions or sections. There are many different names that you might hear them uh, be called. So these regions of the body, I'll just stick with that word for now, the upper region needs to have a certain amount of moisture. The middle region needs to have a certain amount of moisture, and so does the lower. Now, if we look at just the torso, are there more fluids in the upper region? the upper one-third of your torso, or are there more fluids in the lower one-third? Think about it. Your lungs, is there more fluid there than there is in your intestines? Of course, the lower region of the torso, the lower one-third, basically from your navel down to the bottom of your torso, contains the most fluids out of all three. The nickname for this part of the body is called a drainage ditch. That's one of the terms that we use. The middle section, which is ultimately from your navel to, we'll say, the bottom of the ribs or maybe even the, the um, xiphoid process, the sternum, that region, we need there to be a little bit of fluids, maybe not the same consistency and quantity as there is in the lower, but we still need a certain amount of fluids to help make sure that the stomach has enough to process the foods and the small intestine has enough to move them along as well. The upper portion, though, only needs a little bit. If you have too much fluids in your lungs or even in the pericardium, which is the tissue that wraps around your heart, we know that that can cause life-threatening conditions. We don't want to have any excess amount of fluids there. And also, it can be uncomfortable when you have a cold, 
We have a runny nose. We have excess fluids in the upper region of our body that then makes its way into the nasal passages, or you're coughing up phlegm, or your eyes are watering like crazy. So these fluid levels are ultimately determined by this organ system that I said is not really an organ, but it maintains the fluids in all three areas. That said, let me tell you the main function, the main rule of this organ system. Irrigation. It irrigates all of the regions of the body because it knows exactly which parts need how much of the fluids and what types of fluids they need. So there are other regions of the body that need fluids, of course. Those are, say, the joints of your body. So again, this particular organ system knows that your knees and your hips and the other joints of your body, large joints, small joints, they all need a certain amount of fluids. And if there is too much fluids in those joints, obviously that leads to restriction of movement, possibly pain, inflammation, these kinds of things, these kinds of signs and symptoms. Last but not least, we know that the stomach is, what did I say it was? The origin of the fluids. It is the first place where you bring in the food and drink and then it turns it into the usable substance for your body, the usable fluids. Without the proper nourishment, or if you are suffering from some kind of stomach problem, maybe you have the flu, you have some kind of virus, bacteria, you have food poisoning, something of this nature, eventually those fluids are low. There's not enough for your body to use. It starts to pull fluids from other places. You start to experience a dry nose, maybe a dry cough. Your eyes get dry and itchy. So the presentation of the patient or the person experiencing this low fluid level will mimic that of an external environment. So you go outside, say, think of the desert, the most extreme example, very, very dry, very hard to find fluids. And the places that there are fluids, they're protected. They're protected in a way that they are hard to get to. So these fluids become what we say deficient. So let me finish by mentioning a little bit more in terms of the details between these two different types that I started off with, the thin fluids and the thick fluids. So these thin fluids within your body are clear, light, have the consistency of, say, water, for example. And these thin fluids are the ones that help to moisten and nourish the muscles of the body. So when you perform an action, if you had a lot of thick fluids inside of your muscles, you would think that that might be a little bit difficult in terms of producing strength or producing movement. It also is found in your saliva. These are the fluids that make up your saliva, your tears, your sweat, the mucus that is present in the, um, the upper region of the body that we discussed earlier. So these fluids need to maintain a certain consistency, and this consistency is thin. This is the thin, these are the thin fluids. And these are the exact same fluids that help to form the blood of your body. Now we also have thicker fluids, and these ones, thick I think is a pretty uh, self-explanatory word here. They're heavy, they're dense and they help to provide the nourishment that is needed on the inside of your body. That's why I said they're a bit more organic. They're carrying life with them. 
Not to say that these other thin fluids are not, but they serve a more temporary role. These heavier fluids, these more dense fluids, will last in your body for a much longer period of time, and they move slowly. They move slowly through the places like your joints. They move through your spine. They are also like the marrow that travels through there, the spinal fluid. Bone marrow is another example. And as I mentioned before, the sense organs of your body. Now, what does that mean? Because I talked about tears and saliva and sweat and mucus and all these things earlier when, we, when I mentioned the thin fluids, but now we're talking of the thick fluids. Well, again, this is a slight difference between Western and Eastern medicine. In Eastern medicine, we consider the sense organs, uh, organs that require a bit of life-giving energy, okay? a bit of chi that is in the form of a fluid that carries some essential aspect of it that helps it to perform its function. So if you have difficulty hearing, if you have difficulty seeing, not just in lubricating the outside of the, uh, uh, say, eyeballs, for example, but the fluid inside the organ, the eyeball, that helps you to see the actual function of that organ, that sense organ, requires a specific type of lubrication, if you will. I use that word lightly because I don't actually mean lubrication in the sense of like you think of the tears that uh, fall from your eyes or that help to moisturize the eyes. So this life-giving element of the thicker fluids is what helps to make sure that you actually have full function of your sense organs. You can hear, you can smell, you can see, you can taste, etc. And that's the end of our discussion on body fluids. So body fluids, I mean, when we are examining the fluids themselves, they aren't necessarily the reason that, say, a person is suffering in a certain way. So they aren't necessarily the reason that you have a dry cough or dry nasal passages that might be leading to a sinus infection or something of that nature. They are not the root cause, if you will. There is another reason behind that, and that is typically because one of the organ systems that is responsible for moving the fluids to that region is malfunctioning, or something has invaded your body that has prevented that from happening. So the fluids are there. As long as you consistently eat and drink and maintain a healthy lifestyle, such as getting enough sleep, doing exercise, uh, maintaining your emotional state, etc. All of these aspects of maintaining a healthy life will ensure that the fluids are sufficient and that they are transported to the right parts of your body at the right times. There's a lot of information that can be covered in relation to all of these substances, and I think this is a great place to close for the body fluids. So I thank you all for listening to part three of the five treasures of acupuncture. Today's discussion was on body fluids, and next week we will have a new substance. So I look forward to bringing that to you. Have a great rest of the week, and I will talk to you again soon. Take care.
This podcast is brought to you by My Mentor Medicine, an organization that is dedicated to helping people improve their lives by learning to empower themselves and take control of their own life. Any form of reproduction or distribution of this podcast is strictly prohibited. Should you have any questions on using this podcast or information that is contained within this podcast, please write to info at mymetromedicine.com.